Hey everyone, welcome back to Southern Fried Storytime. I'm so excited to continue Beauty and the Beast with you today. Today we're going to talk about Queen Regina from the last episode, her twin brother, Reginald, who is super thrilled right now. This guy's psyched because the love of his life has just accepted his proposal of marriage. Like his sister, he rules his own kingdom, and little known to him, the commoner, shepherdess girl that he thought he was marrying is actually a fairy because they are sprinkled all over the story like those little yucky sprinkles that taste like wax that everybody puts on donuts because they're pretty but they taste like a bunch of nothing yeah there you go that's my thoughts on sprinkles and fairies <laughs> the couple was married in a quiet civil ceremony the fairy loved being married to him but could not bear to tell him the truth because it's illegal for fairies to marry humans and uh, so she didn't want to tell him that Daisy the Shepherdess is actually Daisy the Fairy. Why is this a bigger issue for her than it is for Hazel? Because Hazel is one of the oldest fairies in existence. And so even though marrying a human like Kingsley, like she tried to marry, is against the law, she's powerful enough to just kind of pull it off and most of the other fairies will leave her alone. Daisy, on the other hand, is much, much younger and she's still held accountable by the fairy queen. So she keeps her secret and performs quiet acts of good around the country whenever she's able to. Two years later, she brought their baby girl into the world, and she was terrified for the child who was the product of forbidden love. Still, everything seemed to be fine until the time came to report her deeds to the queen of the fairies. This is like her, her annual performance review, right? Queen Magnolia was concerned. A nearby kingdom was enduring a terrible famine, and Daisy had used none of her power to help. Now that the kingdom had attacked its neighbor to try and gain more fertile farmland, this all could have been prevented if Daisy had shared her gifts with more than one kingdom. What on earth was she up to? The queen gave her one year to spread her fairy duties around the world. How could Daisy keep her secret now? Worse than that, she could not bear to leave her daughter behind. The year flew by, and Queen Magnolia finally felt the need to intervene. She dispatched a few spies to see what Daisy was wasting her time on. They found her kissing the king. And what was worse, they found a baby so beautiful, so well-behaved, that it had to be part fairy. I don't know. I don't think they've heard of changelings here because I, I understand some of these fairy babies are not particularly well behaved. Maybe that's a difference between English and Irish folklore versus French folklore. Those changelings are supposed to be kidnapped by fairies and replaced with a fairy baby and they're supposed to be pretty nasty little things. So apparently I'm going to take these guys word for it that because the, the fairy was such a good little baby and so beautiful that she must be a fairy baby, but it goes against everything I've heard about fairy babies up until this point. <sighs> anyway, Daisy had broken the strictest law of the fairies, and this child was an abomination. Daisy was summoned before the fairy council, where she was sentenced to imprisonment. There, the oldest fairy on the council dealt out her curse. Daisy's husband would hate her, and her daughter would marry a monster. When the king returned from the hunt, three... The servants could not bear to tell him that his wife had just left him, disappearing without a trace. So they told him that she had died, because that's a whole lot more comforting, and been buried. One of the older fairies on the council was confused. 
How could this strange human king have fallen in love with a fairy? When she had tried to, do, to seduce a human, it had gone poorly. What was different about this king? Hazel was too curious to let the matter lie, so she went to the kingdom to see. She took the form of a young, beautiful princess and begged King Reginald for shelter for the night. She was simply going to speak to him about his late wife, but the moment she saw Reginald, Hazel fell in love with him. This girl's got a problem. I don't, I don't know. She falls in love with everybody that she's not supposed to have. She offered to tutor the king's daughter, and he accepted. But when the king failed to pay her any special attention, she got proactive and gave him a gift. And when she made an advance, she, he told her that he had sworn an oath of loyalty to his late wife, and his daughter was all he needed. Offended again, Hazel got together a bunch of women of the court who were still salty about the fact that the king had snubbed them for a common shepherdess. Together, the women all agreed to take the baby princess into the woods and kill her. As one does? No, no, never come to that conclusion before. Deep in the woods, they undressed the baby and prepared to smother her with her own blanket when they were attacked by a bear. All but one of the noble women were killed by the bear. The surviving woman assumed the baby would kill, be killed either by the bear or the cold. The bear did return to the baby and sniffed it before turning into the fairy Rose from the end of the last episode. Rose could tell that this whole situation had been set in motion by Hazel. She wasn't strong enough to fight the older fairy, so she would need to hide the poor baby. Rose found a merchant and his wife whose baby had died in the middle of the night. Unable to save the baby, she swapped them out. She sighed. This saved the little princess for now, but she was still cursed to marry a monster. Rose knew exactly the monster for the job in 15 or 16 years. When Vincent was a successful merchant, he had not minded at all that his 12 children were all adults and still living at home. They were wealthy, and the family lived in such comfort that his six daughters were uninterested in being matched to any man lower in rank than a duke. Only the youngest, Bonnie, had a sense of humility. Bonnie was named for her great beauty, which had come to her the night she had been blessed by a fairy named Rose. Her sisters were so jealous that they sometimes wished that the fairy had just let Bonnie die. Vincent was happy. He had been able to spoil and provide for his family until the day came when he couldn't and their pampered nature left them with no ability to cope with what was to come. First, his wife Charlotte passed away, suddenly, and then, after her funeral, the economy crashed and storms began to swallow the merchant ships at sea. For a while, they were able to keep up appearances, claiming that their new austerity was because they were in mourning for their mother, not because they now had a really tight budget. When their manor home burned to the ground, they were forced to abandon all pretense. They were forced to move to a tiny cottage that Vincent had bought in order to rent to poor tenant farmers. He tried to push his kids to marry, but when their fortunes dried up, so did their pool of suitors. Funny how that works. So, remember how in Disney's Beauty and the Beast, how in the opening song, Belle is kind of dunking on all the quote-unquote poor provincial people in her new town? Remember how that seemed kind of nasty from the character that was supposed to be the protagonist? That's because Belle is a very spoiled, rich city girl who had recently fallen socially, and while her nature is to be kind and sympathetic, she still has lived a life where she wouldn't look twice at any of these people— 
and is having a hard time wrapping her head around the fact that she's no longer, quote-unquote, above them, because it all seems to have happened in just a few weeks in the story. Like, these these guys fall fast. In the book, she has siblings who take this worse than she does, so she does shine by comparison, but her family fell all the way down the social ladder and hit every single run on the way down really fast, like a really short amount of time in which this descent takes place. Here in America, we say, too bad, so sad, get a job and get over it. But in Europe, in this time period, your social status might matter more than your financial status. And what her father spent decades building was lost in a few weeks. When you've lost your social status, you've lost all prospects for the future and marriage, and this is bound to be something of a culture shock, even if, like Belle, you're a good-natured person. Bonnie took on the responsibility for the farm and helped out around the house until they got the letter. One of their long-lost merchant ships had docked at port. Vincent was summoned to fetch it, but was warned that the crew had been through a lot and were eager to sell the goods quickly, no matter the price. He had to hurry or he might not get much of anything. Vincent told his kids and immediately their hopes were high. They asked for gifts from the city, gowns, jewels, exotic foods, and fancy weapons. Bonnie remained silent. She knew that even at maximum profit, one ship was not enough to bring their old lifestyle back, and this would certainly not be maximum profit. Vincent asked what gift she wanted, and at first she refused, but on further prodding, she asked for a rose, since she hadn't seen one since they'd moved out of the city. Vincent made the long journey, only to find that everything had been sold before he got there. On the way home, a deep snowstorm hit him. Wolves circled, spooking his horse, who threw him to the ground. He wandered through the thick fog that soaked his clothes and chilled his bones until he reached a mighty castle and knocked on the door. As soon as the door swung open, he could find no sign of who had let him in. He warmed himself by the fire, but was startled to see no other soul in the castle. There was nothing but a fireplace and a large dining table set for one. He had barely eaten since they lost their fortune, and the smell of perfect meat pie with flaky pastry, rich wine, and silky chocolate mousse for dessert woke a hungry animal that he didn't know was lurking within him. He devoured the meal with a ferocity that only embarrassed him after the fact. Now there was nothing to do but seek his host in earnest and ask for forgiveness. He passed through the room after ornate room until his feet would carry him no further. He fell asleep in a chair and awoke to a hearty breakfast on a tray at his side. Vincent called out his thanks to the empty air and ate and wandered through the gardens on his way out. There he saw a magnificent rose like a blossoming sunset, and he knew it was perfect for his bonnie. He looked around briefly before he reached his fingertips out to snap the green stem. The world spun and he, as he was violently flung backwards, barely registering a vicious roar that shook the ground and seemed to come from every direction. When he gathered himself, Vincent saw a massive, bulky creature standing over him. Thick boar tusks sprouted from behind a split cat-like lips. The nose looked like the snout of a dog wreathed by a lion's mane and ram's horns crowned on the top of his head. Boar-like ridges bristled down the creature's spine, and the body somehow looked like a lion, a wolf, and a bear all at once. 
His front legs ended in vicious claws, and his black back legs ended in equally sharp black hooves, and his whole body was coated in thick, coarse, black and brown fur. Another deep growl rumbled from its chest. You accept my hospitality, then dare to steal from me, came the creature's deep, gravelly voice. Vincent begged the beast not to kill him so that he could return to his children. The beast paused and seemed to consider this. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the continuation of the story. Next week, we're going to take a brief pause from Beauty and... Or next week. Yeah, next episode, we're going to take a brief pause from Beauty and the Beast to focus on a story that may have, in fact, likely did inspire it. These two stories have grown further and further apart throughout time, but you can still see some similarities there. And so I did want to go ahead and touch on it just because it feels wrong to not briefly jump over that story. A lot of you probably already know it, so I don't need to go into a ton of detail, but because the similarities are still there, um, I will go over it, even though they've, again, grown into totally different stories at this point. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy that brief break before we return back to Beauty and the Beast. Have a wonderful day.